Hi, this is Dan. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I trust that it will encourage you and build your faith. If you'd like to connect with us further, our website is revivalnow.com, and you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Revival Now Dan Steep. We have the Revival Now app that you can download at your Play Store, and if you use Roku, you can find us on Creo TV. Enjoy the podcast and share it with a friend. Hi, I'm Dan Steep. Welcome to Spiritual Talk. This episode is being brought to you by Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to know how you can get an FDA-approved NASA technology in your home, business, or car that kills 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, where COVID-19 comes from, just email the address on the screen at infoforvalara at gmail.com. Welcome back. I'm, uh, I titled the teaching for today, How Do I Live in God's Kingdom? And the main scripture that we're going to be looking at in, in this episode is Romans chapter 14, verse 17. This is in the New King James Version, and it says, The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So clearly the kingdom is is something different from this world, and it's something that, um, it's not natural to the world. So I want to spend a little time, when you're born again, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and you become a Christian, you're entering into the kingdom of God. So it's, it's helpful and it's important to understand what the kingdom consists of and how we function within that kingdom as a child of God. So I'm just going to take this verse and look at some of the co- components. Remember, the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's take the first word, the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, the scripture says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That's kind of interesting terminology. How does the kingdom suffer violence, and who are the violent that take it by force, and it's kind of old English language from the King James, so I wanted to share with you a couple sentences from my Dake Reference Bible that'll shed a little bit of light on this. You see, the the kingdom's spiritual, it's not physical, the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God and kingdom of, of heaven are kind of interchangeable terms, so it's a spiritual kingdom. So this is what Finnis Dake had to say. He said, the idea here about this kingdom that suffers violence and the violent taking it by force is that before John, John the Baptist, the kingdom could only be viewed in the light of prophecy. 
it wasn't this present reality that came in the New Testament. He says, but now it's been, now that it was preached, men, and obviously women, were pressing into it, resembling violence or desperation. Because you see, people were uh, sometimes being separated from families to follow God. It, it brought um, ridicule in the community. To become a Christian in that day meant being um, like excommunicated from the temple where, where Jews came together and worship. It meant, in some cases, being disowned by family members. So it was a significant thing, this, you know, violently pressing into the kingdom. He goes on to say, it expresses the earnestness that men must have in getting rid of sin, getting in of all, rid of all satanic influences in their lives, and the world. And finally, he says, and in standing true when relatives oppose them. So the kingdom is spiritual. We enter into it by the new birth, which is, you'll hear people say, being born again. When we become a Christian, the kingdom. Now, the scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of food and drink. So, what, what food and drink represents is outward religion. A lot of people, and we'll cover this a little bit when we get into the word righteousness, most, probably most people, they try to enter the kingdom uh, through their flesh or their earthly efforts, right? Trying to be good enough to be saved, trying to just avoid uh, whatever it is, in this case it could be food and drink, it's just outward religion, somehow hoping that if I can do all these things right and do these things and stay away from those things, that it will it'll work its way to the inside. But being a Christian is an inside-out job. First, Jesus saves us by regenerating our heart, our, our spirit man. It's a Bible term. It's a King James term, really, the spirit man. Renewing us. That's what we mean when we're born again. Renewing our spirit. And then with his influence in our lives, when we combine that with a growing knowledge of God's word, it is to work its way out into the outer area of our lives, which will impact what we do and say and what we don't do. But righteousness or holiness, it starts on the inside, and it is most definitely supposed to be demonstrated by a holy life that we live, but that's never attained from the outside first working its way in. Jesus said, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What's that talking about? He, he never said, get your act together first. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. So he gave his life for us before we could ever do anything that might make us think that we could somehow be good enough. So food and drink is an, a, a symbol, if you will, sig signifies outward religion. In both Luke, 4, chap Luke chapter 4, verse 4, and Deuteronomy 8, 3, this scripture is found in both places. In Luke 4, Jesus said, Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3 when he said that in the New Testament. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what that means is the kingdom isn't food and drink. It's what proceeds from God toward us. His word. So I touched on righteousness. We'll hit that next. So the kingdom of heaven is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Righteousness. Now, this is going to take a little, little uh, explaining because righteousness is not a very well understood word. Um, most people probably think maybe it, it somehow means some kind of Christian perfection, but Righteousness is the state, the, 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 the disposition that makes a person acceptable to God. But remember, it's never done from the outside and worked inward. Now, it's actually God's righteousness, right? And God's righteousness is what God does in fulfillment of His terms of the covenant that he establishes with his chosen people. Who are those people? In the Old Testament, that was the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it's his church. So, in the Old Testament, the law was given as an act of divine mercy that would provide Israel with guidelines for keeping, you know, for keeping the nation's own portion of the, of the covenant. Because there was a portion of the covenant for them to keep in order to maintain the position that God had brought them out of and put them into. Remember, he delivered them from slavery in Egypt, and he established them as a nation. So God expected Israel to keep the law, not to earn merit with God or earn his favor, but to maintain the status that God had already given to the nation. And in the same way, Christians, right, we're to keep our end of this covenant with God, not to earn his favor or his salvation, but to maintain our position in who we are in Christ. We can never attain our position in Christ by what we do, I'm going to read a scripture that explains that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, God saved you by His grace 
when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I'll read verse 10 also. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ. So we can do the good things He planned for us to do long ago. So God saves us by His grace, and He empowers us by His grace. And it's through His grace and His righteousness that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So righteousness is about covenant relationship. And covenant relationship is what Christianity is all about. It's a relationship, it's not a religion. Religion basically says, what can I do to be saved? A relationship with Jesus Christ is not about what I can do. It's about what He already did for me. Religion says do, as in what can I do? Relationship says done. It's already done. It's a free gift. And all you and I can do is receive it by faith. But we're talking about righteousness and how this righteousness is what we do after we're saved to maintain the status that God provided for us. So it's about covenant relationship, being in right relationship with everything around me as a result of what God has done within me. So the kingdom of heaven is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. So let's talk about peace. When you hear the word peace, usually we uh, associate peace with an absence of war or strife or like an absence of conflict if it's between people, but that could be the case between nations or whatever. But the Hebrew meaning of peace has a completely different meaning. And many times what is written in the Bible you know, which is recorded of what's been spoken, um, comes from a Hebrew understanding. So the Hebrew word for peace, you've probably heard, it's the word shalom. And shalom means so much more than like um, an absence of conflict. Shalom, the meaning of shalom means this, um, completeness, wholeness, health, peace, Welfare, safety, soundness, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, and harmony. And the verb form of peace literally means to make whole or, or make complete. And the noun form has, uh, you know, a more literal meaning of being in a state of wholeness with no deficiency. So... This word peace, shalom, is actually like a powerful word that's pregnant with so much meaning beyond what you and I tend to think of when we hear the word peace. So there's this common phrase, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and it, it, it's not speaking about an absence of war, although I would assume that's included within it, it's part of it, 
but it was really saying that, pray that Jerusalem, and by extension Israel, is complete and whole and missing nothing. And that goes way beyond our idea of peace. Jesus, in the Hebrew, is called Yeshua. And, and he's, that means, uh, he's called Sar Shalom, which means the Prince of Peace. And that perfectly describes his ministry, right, of completeness and wholeness that he gave his life for so that you, you and I could have that. You see, Jesus said, I came that you would have life abundantly. And that, that's available to every one of us as we begin to understand what kingdom life as a Christian looks like, what it entails, what it means for us. So our agenda in the world is, is to be in peace with everyone. Everyone within our righteousness, which is who God placed there. You can't be in peace always with everyone because some people in our lives are not people that God has appointed or desires to be there. They're not within our peace. And so that's something that we, we have to really ask the Lord to reveal to us. And sometimes you don't have to ask that hard. Some things are really clear. When a person brings the absence of peace into your life, they, they're, not, they're not there by God's divine working. They're not a part of His plan for your life. Jesus said in Luke 10, 5 and 6, when you enter a house, first pray First say, peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. Rest on him, And if not, it'll return to you. So that's basically saying, you enter into a house, you say, peace to this house. If there's a man of peace in the house, your peace will rest upon him. If it doesn't, you know, when your peace rests upon him, that means that it's effortless. God's given you this, this open door to be a witness and to shine His light into this person's life. And if your peace rests upon Him, you'll know it. But if it doesn't, then your peace will come back to you and you'll know, you know what? This is not my assignment. And then you just you move along. So the kingdom of heaven is not food or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about joy. He, the, the Hebrew language has seven, several different words for joy, and each of them have different meanings, but the main ideas conveyed by joy are happiness in the fullest sense. Singing, shouting, dancing, leaping, gladness, exaltation. They're all words that are conveyed in the Hebrew from the word joy. In other words, it's about an outpouring or an overflowing of what cannot be contained within. Remember, our, our Christian experience starts inside and works its way out. So we have this inner disposition, a state of being, first in me, and then from within me, around me, impacting and influencing the people in my life. Righteousness, peace, and joy 
in the Holy Spirit. So not worldly joy, not joy that's dependent upon my circumstances, but joy that comes from within me regardless of my circumstances. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if if there's a person in your life that's stealing or sapping the joy from you, they're not there on assignment from God. God can you know, work through them, through the circumstance, to bring about good, because that's His promise from Romans 8.28. But it doesn't mean that He sent them to you. So you don't get to choose your family, but you do get to choose your friends. And don't hang around people that steal your joy. It's an inner disposition that is not dependent upon the people or the circumstances around me. It's in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22 says, When all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven that said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So that was the entrance of the Holy Spirit to empower Jesus. And the scripture says, in, in, in Luke 4, 1, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, which happened in his baptism, returned from the Jordan. And in the second part of Luke 4, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days, and he was tempted by the devil. And he came out of that experience, Luke 4.14. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. He came out of that season of fasting and prayer in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And news went out, news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he immediately went, we're still in Luke chapter 4. He went into the, the, t- the temple, the synagogue, and he unfolded the scroll of Isaiah, and he quoted this. He said, and this is Luke 4, verses 18 to 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of food and drink, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in your life there's so many promises from God's Word to, to lead you and guide you into truth, to, to be a comforter and a helper. It's that empowerment from God. 
that allows the deposit that God placed within us, because he never intended it for, just, for it to just stay within us. He intended for us to share it with the world around us and to impact this world for his glory. Through us, God desires to see the gospel preached to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and bring liberty or freedom to those who are oppressed. Where are you at today? Perhaps as you listen to this episode, you're realizing that you need to be saved. You need to be born again so that this process can work in and through your life. Every promise and blessing in God's word exists for the child of God, for the one who is an heir to the promise of God. That means a Christian, one who's born again, whatever terminology you want to use, someone that's in right relationship with God. And he will heal the broken heart, bring liberty and recovery of sight to the blind. Are you saved? Have you said yes to Jesus? Confessed your sins and invited him to come into your life? I want to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to offer a simple prayer of salvation because it's not a long, eloquent prayer that saves. It's a sincere prayer from a place of humility in one's heart that gets God's attention. I'm going to offer this prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer. Just repeat it out loud after me. Because the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness. I repent. Please forgive me of my sin and cleanse me and come into my heart and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it. If you prayed that prayer with me, you did it. You are my newest brother or sister in Christ. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you prayed that prayer out loud after me, you called on the name of the Lord. So by the authority of God's word itself, you're saved. You're born again. And you're on your way to heaven because you have Jesus in your heart. Please go to my website at revivalnow.com. Revivalnow.com. There's a big red button on the front, front page of the website. It says, I just got saved. If you click that button, it'll take you to a place where you can do a couple of things. One, there's some video resources 
that I've prepared for you. You can view those resources, and it'll help you get started in your Christian life. And then you can fill out your contact information. Please take a moment to fill out your contact information. And if you do that, I'll make three promises to you. Number one, your information will not be used for any marketing, solicitation, any purposes whatsoever. It won't show up on an email list or anything like that. I just want to be able to pray for you by name, and that's my second promise. Once I know who you are, I will pray for you by name. Promise number three, I want to email some resources to you that will help you get started in your Christian life. So just go to RevivalNow.com, click I Just Got Saved, and follow the prompts from there. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time to view this episode. This episode's being brought to you by our sponsor, which is Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to know how you can get an FDA-approved NASA technology in your home, car, business, it, it kills 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, which gave us COVID-19. So just email the address on the screen, info for Valara at gmail.com. Thanks so much for viewing this episode. There's more to come. So until then, be blessed in Jesus' name.